What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, thank you, Renata, for sharing that greeting. And, and thank you, Ricardo, for leading the choir in such a beautiful song. What a, I'm just uh, moved already this morning by the presence of the Lord in this place. And so, if it's okay with you, let me begin with the Word of God. And, and it's already up on the screen. And if you want to read it along with me, you're more than welcome to do that. Our passage today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. And hear the Word of the Lord. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Although once, uh, we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And what a great word for us today, the word of the Lord. Today, I am so excited to bring uh, a message to you today. Now, last Sunday was Grandparents' Day, and uh, it, was a, it was a glorious day. I, I just really enjoyed every part of, of last Sunday. Um, I hope some of you enjoyed the omelets that we served outside. Did you guys enjoy that? Yeah, that was really good. Um, I was told that, and I wasn't able to be there, but in our fellowship hall, it was full and it was buzzing and brimming with, with warmth and, 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 and people just enjoying being together. Our service, the kids' uh, video, wasn't that awesome? Um, what Mission Nazarene Preschool did, the kids' video was so good. And our worship, uh, Kelly led the worship so beautifully on Sunday. And my hope is that last Sunday... And I hope this Sunday, too, that you really encountered the presence of the Lord in our service. I also, since it was Grandparents Sunday last week, we called it Kupuna Sunday. I also hope that the Kupuna in our church felt honored. I hope that, that uh, Barry Jones and Bev Horton and Chad Wolf, you know, our Kupuna, that they all felt honored and, uh, and loved greatly. I know, it's terrible. <laughs> and last Sunday was also a significant day for another reason. And on a more serious note, last Sunday was the 20th remembrance of 9-11. And um, those of you who were alive at that time, just like as I was, you probably, like me, remember exactly what you were doing and where you were at in that moment when 9-11 happened. I still remember where I was in Hawaii. It was early in the morning and I got a phone call and one of our parishioners in the church was frantically screaming on the phone, Pastor, we're being attacked. And, and it jolted me out of bed. And I still remember that. And, and if, if, you were, if you were alive, you probably remember where you were. And in those times in life when, when something happens and you remember everything about it, where you were, what you were doing, maybe even what you were wearing. 
You know those times in life? We call those crisis moments. And, 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 and the older you get, like the older I've gotten, the more crisis moments you experience in life. Now, last week we honored our kupuna, and I missed the opportunity to talk about 9-11 and crisis moments in that way. And so this message is a week late, and I understand that, but I still think that today's message is going to speak beautifully and, and clearly to all of us today. Crisis moments are moments when, when you, you, you experience something and, and it dramatically changes you. And in those moments, as I've shared before, you remember almost everything about what's happening, where you were, what you were doing, what you were wearing, the people that you were with. And uh, there have been many crisis moments in my own life. I'll be sharing some of them with you. And um, the first thought when we say the words, a crisis moment, is the first thought is some traumatic event like 9-11 or something like that. But I want you to know that the definition of crisis moments, it doesn't need to be something catastrophic. A crisis moment can be very personal, just to you alone. And crisis moments oftentimes are viewed as something negative that happens. But I want you to know that crisis moments can also be life-changing and positive. And we've had many moments like that in our lives where, where crisis moments occurred. We remember everything about it, and it was good. And so those are crisis moments as well. In my own life, there have been many crisis moments. Um, the, the first one that I can recall was when I was seven years old, my mom took me to Hong Kong to visit uh, my grandparents for the first time. And um, as we were leaving Hong Kong in the Hong Kong airport, I was sitting with my mom and with all of our luggage, and she said, stay here for a moment, i got to go do something. And I don't know what she had to do. And she was gone for a little while, longer than I thought she should have been gone, but I was seven, and my attention span was about this big. And for some reason, a woman that I had never met before came up to me, who spoke English, and we're in Hong Kong, and she said, I just watch your mom leave and get on a plane. And for a seven-year-old, that was a crisis moment. <laughs> I have a sermon that I'm going to preach one day down the road about, about that incident and the feeling of being lost in the world. But, uh, but that was my first remembrance of a crisis moment in my life. Um, another crisis moment in my own life uh, was when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was 15 years old. I still remember where I was and what I was doing. Several years later, another big giant event that impacted me that I still remember where I was and what I was doing was when the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded on TV as we were watching. I was in Alamoana shopping centers at the Sears and I ran up to the electronic department because I wanted to see it happen and then all of a sudden the, uh, the, the, you know, the catastrophic events and just sitting silent in, in Sears watching it with all the people gathered on TV. I'll, I'll never forget that. And then a beautiful, uh, a beautiful crisis moment in my life was uh, a couple years later when, when I got married to Rochelle. 
And uh, I remember what I was wearing. And uh, I remember what you were wearing. <laughs> um, it was a beautiful day. And, and, it, and, and you know, catastro- uh, not catastrophic. <laughs> Crisis moments like that. Crisis moments. Oh, my. Crisis moments impact our lives. And sometimes they change the outcome of the future that we live in. And, and that moment was one of them. And it was a positive crisis moment in my life. And another positive crisis moment was when both my daughters were born. I was there. Um, and as a father, I got to cut the umbilical cord and hands shaking and lives changing. And I still remember every single moment of those amazing crisis moments that impacted my life and changed me like that. There's one more crisis moment that that impacted me and really, really shook me that I want to share with you. And and from this crisis moment that impacted me, that just, uh, (laughs) in the moments of that crisis, I, I didn't know what tomorrow would hold. It was that kind of moment for me. And, and from that moment, there are some great lessons to be learned. And that's what I want to share with you today. That on January 13, in the year 2018, just a few years ago, just a little after 8 a.m. in the morning, everybody in Hawaii received a text message. And I think I, I got a picture of the text message that I want to share with you. Um, this text message came in at a, just a little after 8 a.m., 8.07, And then this is what it says. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. This is not a drill. I remember I was working outside. Uh, I was working on a project in the morning, 8 a.m. And I just got started when Rochelle called me in. Gordon, Gordon. And I, what's the matter? She said, do you you have your cell phone with you? I said, no. You better check it. So I checked my cell phone and I read that. And she called me because that text reached her phone and my daughter Annika's phone. And all three of us were looking at this text message, realizing that this is not some kind of prank that someone was trying to send to me because all three of us had gotten it. Now, I'm not sure if any of you were in Hawaii on that day. Probably not. But can you put yourself in my shoes for just one hot second and read that again and think to yourself, what do do we do in response to this? This would be a crisis moment for us all. And in, in, in those moments when, when, this, when this text message came in, um, I, I, I was shaken. I, I, I was moved. It was not a drill. And it's so hard right now for you to even put into your mind what you would do in this situation. And, 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 and I only ask you to do that because I want to share with you what happened in my own heart and my life and the lives of the many people who this impacted in in a dramatic way. Because it's hard to imagine yourself in this situation and what you would think. But this is what happened for us. 
I gathered Rochelle and Annika together. We tried calling our, our oldest daughter who was away at Point Loma at the time and the phone kept ringing and ringing. We couldn't, we couldn't reach her. And the reason why we called was because in crisis moments like this when you don't know what tomorrow holds, you want to make sure that whatever it is that's the priority of your life, that, that gets recalibrated in that moment, right? Whatever was, was important, fixing whatever I was working on outside, psh, that went by the wayside. And all I wanted to do was hold my family and tell the people that I loved that I loved them one more I wanted to make sure that in this crisis moment, the, the thing that mattered most to me, I was going to take care of. And I can just imagine that the many, many people in Hawaii that got this text message, that, through, that their lives and what they were perceiving, what was happening in them, that they were recalibrating what was important. And all of the, all of the struggles and all of the, 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 the broken relationships and, and the tension that we go through in our families and at work, all of that evaporated and disappeared. And what rose to the top was just the value of the relationships of the people that we love and care for and making sure that we honor that. And if there was something in between us, that we take care of that right now. And I know, but I don't have like, in, you know, concrete proof of this. But I know that more prayer was offered in the state of Hawaii than ever before. <laughs> and that people who don't even believe like we believe were praying and trying to get right with God. Because this felt like it was imminent. We gathered and we prayed. And, uh, and, and it impacted us in, 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 a, in, a, in a way that I, I'm not sure if I can clearly, you know, articulately say, but it shook us in those moments to, uh, to have this text message in our lives. We turned on the television to try and catch the news, and, and strangely, it wasn't being reported, and so there was a lot of confusion that was happening but uh, the one thing that was for sure is that we recalibrated the things that were most important to us. All of the, the small things that of insignificance, they all evaporated. And what mattered was that we, our relationship with God was right. And our, our, our love for one another was clearly, clearly expressed. And we made that the highest priority of our lives. And so as we continued to watch the news, about 40 minutes after we received this text, a little thing came across the bottom of the screen uh, of our TV that said that the missile crisis was a mistake. Yeah, that was a, a mistake. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You know, all of the emotion and the drama that everyone went through and then we found out that it was a mistake. Now, hear me when I say this. Everybody was relieved. Well, oh, it was a mistake. <laughs> you know, and there's a sense of relief. And then that relief settled in, right? That relief settled in for just a moment. 
And then our relief began to turn into outrage and anger. How in the world could this happen, right? And why did it take 40 minutes for somebody to realize that this is a mistake? I mean, and then people were just so upset that they went through something so horrific. Who pushed the button to make that come on my phone, right? And after our, our relief passed and we began to feel the anger and the outrage, our priorities were recalibrated once again. And that spirit of prayer, that, that feeling of, of, of desiring reconciliation and forgiveness in those moments that swept over us in the midst of that crisis moment, all that, that, and I would say that it was beautiful for that moment, right? All of that recalibrating to get things right with God and with one another, whew, that, sw- that, that flew away quickly. And then our priorities recalibrated again back and reverted to business as usual. Business as usual in that resentment and anger filled the gap there. And I'll be honest and tell you that I had a little bit of, just a little bit of tiny, incy-wincy amount, just a wee little bit of anger and outrage myself because that's all they allow pastors to have. Just, (sighs) But I was struggling myself. And, um, and, and, And I want you to know that that reverting back to this business as usual mindset is the default position that constantly is pulling at us. And um, somebody's uh, phone is is ringing. Would you, Brian? Is that yours? <laughs> You got me right at the point when I was really going to hit it home. <laughs> that was the alarm. Hear me when I say this. Let me re-grab your attention back to this really important point, And that is this. That the reverting back to business as usual is the default position that pulls at every single one of us. Isn't it? Right? That, that you can experience a crisis moment and we can be changed in that one moment in a very dramatic way, positively or negatively, whatever that crisis moment calls for. But when that moment passes, it's so easy to be pulled back into life as usual, business as usual, what's typically normal to us. And that's the default position that so many of us have. And I'll just take you back to, to what was remembered last Sunday, 9-11. I, if those of you that remember 9-11, you, you all remember what happened. We all were impacted. And in that crisis moment of 9-11, right, we recalibrated our priorities. We were united. 
And in our unity, we mourned together. We all cried together. We pulled together. We prayed together. And then I'll show you a little picture of something we all did too. We got these magnets that we put on our cars and everybody had one or two of these. We'll never forget. That was our mantra 20 years ago. And as time passed, what happened? The pull of the default position of business as usual has gripped us all, hasn't it? It's gripped me. It's gripped you as well. Because that's what happens. It's what ha- it just pulls us back in to being how we normally are, where we're at today. Where in my lifetime, I don't know if our country has ever been this divided when we were once so united on that day when that crisis moment took place. We're so polarized today. And we have reverted back to our default position of business as usual. But my prayer in bringing this message to you, the people of God, those of you here in the sanctuary and those of you who are watching online, my prayer for us today, for those people who follow Jesus, is that we don't allow that this default position to define who we are. That we all have experienced a crisis moment of faith, each and every single one of us, that has impacted us, that has changed us and molded us, and we cannot allow the crisis moment of our faith to revert back to business as usual, in the default positions of our lives. Do you remember the day when you accepted Jesus for the very first time? Do you guys remember that day? It it should be a crisis moment that sticks in your heart and in your life. Do you remember the commitments that you made on that day? Do you remember how you were changed and challenged to be a follower of Jesus the way that you ought to be? I still remember the day that I accepted Jesus for the very first time and how my own priorities of my life were recalibrated at age 15. It was on October 4th, 1982, at a revival service at Honolulu First Church of the Nazarene. And those of you who are, um, that went to Nazarene Theological Seminary would know the name Chick Shaver. It's his real name. No, it's not. Chick is, I think, his nickname. But you know the Chick Shaver? That, that was his name. He was a professor of evangelism, and he also spoke at many revival services. And Reverend Chick Shaver was speaking in Honolulu, Hawaii. And I heard a message where he preached from. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 18, the story of Abraham taking his son Isaac to the mountain to be sacrificed. And in that sermon, God touched my heart and brought me to the altar where I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for the very, very first time. I still remember that day and Reverend Chick Shaver praying just on the other side of the altar as I was kneeling there. On that day, my crisis moment of faith 
impacted me in such a way that it changed the trajectory of my life. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And just like 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said, I became a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Oh my goodness. I began that relationship and that relationship continued to mature and to grow. And six years after I made that confession of faith, the Lord Jesus called me into the ministry. And I answered the call to say yes to God for whatever you would have me to do in my life. And if it's to be a pastor or to be a missionary, you have me. And I allow you to take hold of me to do whatever you would do. And God called me into the ministry of being a pastor. So I went to seminary and I prepared myself and allowed that crisis moment that happened on August 4th, 1982 to still fashion me and mold me and push me into a place that I felt so uncomfortable about, unprepared, just not, not, not understanding what God was doing except saying yes to allow God and, and fighting everything I can to revert back to the default position of saying no, which is so easy to do doing my own thing, whatever I wanted to do. And then, while at seminary, taking this passage of Scripture that we looked at earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter two, uh, 5, and being called to living my life, to helping answer that call of reconciling people back to God, which is something that we are all called to do. To, to live a life where, where Jesus' call in our lives is, is to reconcile people back to God. And He's given us this ministry of reconciliation. And that is what God continues to call in my life. Serving 20 years at the Bridge Church, planting that church and building it, and then coming here, and then getting the great privilege to be your pastor. But I want you to know something, and I need you to hear me clearly that the constant pull of this default position is real. It's real. The temptation to seek out what is the most convenient that leads us to the most comfortable life is so real. But I think you believe, like I believe, that God never, ever called us to a life of comfort and a life of convenience. Instead, He has called us to a life of purpose and a life to follow what He's called us to live out in the Scriptures. And that is for our lives to be reconciled back to Him. And in doing so, He's given us the ministry of reconciliation to lead those that we know and love back to Jesus and to live in this constant tension of a crisis moment. You see, when we live in the tension of a crisis moment, we continue to recalibrate our priorities so that it fits the kingdom priorities that God has for us. 
But the fact that when we remove ourselves from this crisis moment, the pull of the default position gets us to the place where all we want to do is follow our own ways, seek our own desires, find comfort and convenience, and instead choose not to do what God has called us to do. And so today, church, my call for us is to live in the moments where our priorities are recalibrated with kingdom priorities and not our own and to allow Christ's love to compel us. That is what our passage calls from us today. In fact, those were the very first words in 2 Corinthians 5.14 that the love of Christ would compel us to compel us to not lean into those default positions of our lives and to not see people from a worldly perspective but as dearly loved children of God with the desire that all people would be reconciled back into a loving relationship with Him. And when we do that, you know what we're doing? We're providing everyone an opportunity to live into their own crisis moment of faith. Because when we are living in that moment, in that tension of a crisis moment of faith, God, we're allowing God to do His work, to recalibrate what it is that He wants to accomplish in each of us. And so... The invitation for us is to accept God's invitation to be ministers of reconciliation because that is what He is commissioning us to be and to be reconciled to Him and leading others into a crisis moment where we can live into the recalibration of our lives so that we can live out the, 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 the purpose for which God has for each and every single one of us. And what I'd like to do as we finish up is to just kind of show you the example of what it looks like to live in a crisis moment and live out reconciliation as a part of who we are. Because church, if our default position becomes what God would have us to do, and that is what we revert to. That is when we live our lives more and more like Jesus would. And so if you have your Bibles in Luke chapter 23. In Luke chapter 23, we find Jesus living in his crisis moment. In this moment, Jesus has already been betrayed He's already been abandoned by his disciples. He's already been arrested, falsely accused. He's been beaten. The Roman soldiers already got him, placed him on the cross, nailed his hands and feet to the cross. Tell me, church, is that not a crisis moment? That's worse than having a text come on the phone that says a missile is inbound to Hawaii. He is living in it right there. And living in that crisis moment, Jesus reverts to his default position. And here, here, 
Luke 23, 33 and 34. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus says, I don't even know how he says this. But he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That was me? Thunder and lightning down on their heads. That's me. Probably you too. But when you live a life of reconciliation, reconciling people back to God, that's your prayer. Father, forgive them. They they don't know what they're doing. And you read further on down, while hanging on the cross, the criminals that are hanging on his left and his right, they're mocking him. If you really are the Son of God, save yourself. And while you're at it, save us. Oh man, I hate when people mock me. Don't you hate that? In your moment of crisis? And then... One of them says, what are you doing? We deserve this. This man is innocent. And in that moment, one of the criminals says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And living in this beautiful default position of reconciliation, Jesus says, truly I tell you today, you will be with me. Church, as we live in this moment right now, this can be your crisis moment of faith. Where we return back to the foot of the cross and not allow our own selfish desires to take hold of desiring comfort and convenience in life. I believe that God calls us to a life of purpose greater than the purpose that we want to live for ourselves. And so will you lean into your relationship with God? Have you been given yourself over to the default position of business as usual? Maybe it's time today for your own heart to be reconciled back to God and make reconciliation the Christ, the, the default position of your own heart and allow that to take place within the people in your relationships, here at church, in your home, at your workplace, everybody. Even strangers that you meet. People that don't deserve your mercy or your grace. Get it. Because your new default position is the one where you follow Jesus' example. So today, my invitation to the people of God, my people, people at mission here and watching online would you humble yourself and come and respond to be reconciled to God and reject the world and the default positions of comfort and convenience and instead live inconveniently for the glory of God allowing reconciliation to be what moves you and drives you 
your reconciliation with God, and then the gift that He wants you to share through the name of Jesus. Our worship team is going to come, and they're going to sing, My Jesus, I love Thee, one more time. And when they do, my prayer is that you would live into the message of that song and the message of our passages today and to love Jesus and be reconciled to Him. Would you stand with me? I want you to know that the altars are always open, that you can come and you can pray. And if you'd like to just just pray with me over off to the side, I'll go stand off to the side and we can pray together. But whatever we do, May we not give in to the default positions of this world. Instead, let's move our lives and allow this crisis moment of faith to propel us in this moment right here to recalibrate your priorities, to live into the priorities of God for your life. Father in heaven, hear our prayers today, Lord God. Search our hearts. May we live into the tension of this crisis moment that we have right now to say yes to you. Start with me. If we're going to see revival happen in our world, start in this church. Start in me. Bring me back to the cross, dear Lord, so that I can live my life the way Jesus lived it change my default position to be yours, not mine. And help us, Lord God, to love Jesus like we should. It is in your name we pray.